Hello and welcome to Anime Ichiban. I'm Harry, I'm joined by Kyle and Matt, and uh, we hope you enjoy the show. Okay, uh, to start with, Kyle, how are you? Hello. I've been up since 7am, and I have, in the past 12 hours, watched the entirety of Madoka. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh boy, that's a... Uh... Um, that's... It, it's good, it's... It was definitely a trip on Mr. Bones' wild ride. Mr. Oh. Bones's. It's not even Mr. Toad's wild ride anymore. Oh, no. But, I, yeah, it was good. I'm good. How are you guys? <laughs> We're good. We can, we can talk about uh, Madoka Magica in intense depressing detail later on. Uh, but for now, yeah, Matt, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good. Um, just recovering from a post-ramen-induced food coma that I did to myself last oh. night. Uh, yeah, oh. went out with some friends to a ramen place uh, in Boston that we really like. And I had an extra large bowl because I was hungry. And then on top of that, we went to the dessert place afterwards. And I had this like Belgian chocolate mousse cake. And against my better judgment, I finished it all. And then I biked home. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. And so I got home and I was just miserable. But it's all good now. That was yesterday. I'm feeling fine on this fine uh, Bostonian afternoon. <laughs> good stuff. And I, I, I'm fine. I've just spent the day relaxing. Nothing much, really. So so you guys have had a, a terrible time, a, a torment, uh, intense Madoka Magica and Ramen, and I've just been relaxing. So good stuff. What games have you both been playing recently, Kyle? Um, well, like everybody on Earth who has a PS4, I have been playing Spider-Man. What Spider-Man? Uh, Who's Spider-Man? Uh, Spider-Man 2 for the PlayStation 2. Ah, okay. I've somehow fit that disc into my PS4 and got it running. <laughs> Good stuff. And it's great. <laughs> uh, Tobey Maguire is the only Spider-Man. Um, no, I've been playing Spider-Man PS4. It's, ah. <laughs> I mean, we, 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 got into <laughs> we, we got into this before we started recording. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a good game. Doesn't do anything new, but it it's pretty solid. Mm. He's my and favorite. If you want to know DC more, you can look at Harry's review on Goomba Stomp, <laughs> which is our number one most controversial piece at the moment, apparently. Uh, <laughs> yes, I, I just find it funny. That I gave it seven out of ten, and people are so offended. Yet if I give eight out of ten, I feel like most of that criticism would go away, just because I'm one point out of what most people <sighs> would like it to be. Like they're so upset, and it's like it, it's just one point, but. Oh, just go in and change just go in and change it to a three yeah and <laughs> remove all of your review and just put the words fuck you the thing is I, what i didn't tell people and this is a secret but it only just scraped a seven out of ten in my eyes i was tempted to oh. give it a six out of ten for a long time oh so, no I'll say did you want to get the site hacked <laughs> <laughs> oh. maybe i should have just given it like a five out of ten but that's the no like no don't do that to rick middle of the road like i didn't like it i didn't dislike it it's just bleh but mm. but no i i did enjoy it it's a really fun game um but it has its faults it has its issues and i wanted to try and highlight that as an unbiased and hopefully professional reviewer but a lot of people don't like that and they'd rather i just heap praise on it because there's a, a very uh big hype train around it right now that's ignoring its blatant faults but uh but yeah this is why I'll never make a living doing this and I'll never be hired um, and I'll never be paid because I upset too many people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Badawa, what about you, Matt? What have you been playing? So I was also playing the Man of Spider for a while, but then, uh, <laughs> hey, you're the one that said that, Kyle. <laughs> I said Man Spider. Okay, that's true. All right. Well, I can copyright this then. Anyways. Okay, yeah, you can. Um, so this past Friday, the Xenoblade 2, the Xenoblade Chronicles 2 DLC, story DLC came out, and I already had the expansion pass, so I've been playing that. I'm enjoying it. I, it's just good to be back in that world. I really, really enjoyed the first Xenoblade Chronicles 2, and this story expansion is... It's similar, but very different. It's got a, a different battle style, different characters, uh, different locations. Even returning locations look different. The music is amazing again. And I've just been having a good time. But oh my god, this month is just the game apocalypse between Dragon Quest XI, Spider-Man, Xenoblade 2, Tomb Raider, and Valkyria Chronicles 4. It's <laughs> insane. And I'm probably not going to get Valkyria Chronicles 4 or Tomb Raider at launch just because I, I can't. I just don't have the time, and so. But it's a lot of, it's a, a lot it's of a, JRPGs. Yeah, it's a good problem to have. It's as a journalist, I follow says it's an embarrassment of riches, and it's definitely not a bad thing. And I must be the only person in the world to say this. But uh, today, I tried playing, which I bought on the Nintendo Switch, Final Fantasy Fifteen Pocket Edition HD. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. Now, Sounds like Matt lost a lot of air, first, but so how, first, how are you doing? First and foremost, I really like Final Fantasy XV, the, the, the original game. I actually think it's really fun. I think it's a very ambitious, creative game. It's a lot of interesting things. Uh, it's rough around the edges at times. It has its issues. But generally speaking, it's a very addictive, engrossing uh, and cool game. And I like it. Final Fantasy XV Pocket Edition, on the other hand, <laughs> seems to kind of undo everything that made the original good um and i've i'm probably not the best person to say this because i've only played about an hour of it but that was an hour more than i should have played really because at the end of this hour i just wow oh wait i remembered another thing i played but i'll let you finish oh okay (laughs) and kyle knows what i played oh my god (laughs) it's very relevant to our anime topic yes Yes. i think i know as well based on what you were saying on workplace um but yeah like Mm. I've only played a bit of it so far, so I can't fully comment, but it seems that there's no open world. Uh, the combat's really repetitive and bland. Um, and it seems fine. Like, I got it in sale for £15. And, yeah, it seems fine for what it is, but it just doesn't at all match for quality. It doesn't need to exist. 15. It doesn't need to exist. And... <laughs> I don't know. I'd almost rather they they do this, but make it completely different to Final Fantasy Fifteen. What I dislike is that it's kind of following the same story beats of Final Fantasy Fifteen, and it has all the voice acting of, of the original game. I'd rather they do a totally new thing with this style and this kind of gameplay, and not like try to replicate Final Fantasy Fifteen. Because all that's going to happen then is that it will get compared to Final Fantasy Fifteen, and it's massively inferior. So you're just kind of what, setting, so like a like a ten two kind of thing, except even worse. I've not oh, I've not wow. played ten two, but is it awful? I mean, ten two is a different game at least. This one is just yeah. this is just. Is it, uh, I'm I'm actually a, a Final Fantasy fans would really hate me, but I really really adore the Final Fantasy thirteen trilogy. Now, I genuinely mean that. That's yeah. not sarcasm or anything. And what's more, I played Final Fantasy X and I found it to be really quite boring. I found it to be very linear, which is something that Final Fantasy XIII is often criticised for its linearity. 
but at least it had a really great combat system and it was quite entertaining. I found Final Fantasy X, the story and the characters didn't entertain me at all. The combat system was really generic and quite derivative and it was completely linear. It, it, like Final Fantasy XIII gets criticised for its linearity. Well, how's X any better? That's completely linear. Um, and I just found it really boring. And I also think the random encounters are annoying. They're really frequent and they ruin the gameplay so often. And uh, now Final Fantasy fans hate me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we went over that in a previous episode, I remember. Oh, did we? Yeah. <laughs> I just thought I'd remind people just to offend them again. <laughs> but yeah. Well, speaking uh, of offending people, oh, yeah, <laughs> the man. game that I've been playing, it's it's a, oh, it, it deals with a very serious topic um, about the female body image. Uh, I, that's the most diplomatic way you can describe <laughs> that game. So this quote-unquote game is called Sinran Kagura Reflections. And you may have heard of the Sinran Kagura series, also known as Tits McNinja. And it's it's a... The usual Sinran Kagura games are anime-style brawler beat-em-ups, like kind of uh, Musou-style games. Reflection, But they're very fan service Reflections says, hey, what if we took out any gameplay aspect and just made a fan service game? And that's what Reflections does. It's basically, you take the main girl from Cinder and Kagura, Asuka, and you touch her hands and other parts of her body to make her relax. And she opens her heart up to you. And that's it. And nice. I... I paid $10 for this game and I got my $10 worth. I, I knew exactly what I was going into. Like, okay, let's be real. Like, you either know you're getting this or you're not. Like, there's no amount of convincing that's going to tell you otherwise. So, it is it is what it is. And if you want just a bald-faced fan service game, this is for you. But that's that's all I'll say on uh, Tixpick Ninja Reflections and the Boobs. I mentioned this uh, online on the workplace chat, but... Uh... I just think it's stuff like that that gives anime such a bad name. And it, oh, it's, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> fine. I mean, it's, it's, it, all, com- it comes with the, it comes with the territory. It comes yep. with the territory. It's all good fun. It's, it's in all innocence. But I think there are a lot of people that don't follow anime that see that kind of stuff as like their first impression. And it's the equivalent of say somebody who doesn't listen to rock music, and they hear Nickelback as their first impression, and they think, oh. But then you're like, no, no, like, like they're a bad example. Like, listen to the rest. Yeah. But uh, I would yeah. fear for someone who would stumble across this as their first example of anime. Oh, I would okay. wonder how I, they come I, across I, this in the first place. So I, I will say, to be fair, with games like Senran Kagura, like, I, I, I really wasn't joking when I said it comes with the territory. Like, and, and I said mm-hmm. this on Workplace. Like, I, I have two tastes mm-hmm. in anime. Yep. <laughs> And anime-related media. I really enjoy thoughtful, well-constructed stories, interesting characters, meaningful relationships, and just fun shows, um, you know, that are made very well. And then on the other hand, I like trash just so much. I love it. And boy, is Simon Kagura a heaping pile of $10 <laughs> trash. <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I, by the way, I want to clarify. I don't regret this purchase at all. <laughs> no regrets. What worries yeah, me one, is that, like, 
like you know, you guys can play it and treat it as what it is, which is completely ridiculous and stupid. But it worries me that there's some people out there that play it, and and like that's the closest they'll ever get to being actually intimate with a woman, and and that's <laughs> that's what they view as like, oh, this is it, this is it. Yeah, I, I'm basically losing my virginity here, and it's like it's like I... no, you're not, Dave. Like why don't you you go out and and make a friend. And maybe ask her on a date when the time is right, but but no, that's what Dave would rather do. Fuck Dave. One of my and friend's people, name is Dave, well, and he listens to this will. podcast. Oh, <laughs> well, hey Dave, this one's for sorry, you. Dave, but I know your dirty secrets. I know what you're up to, and <laughs> yeah, why don't you ask the man for out on a date? I think she really likes you, and you're just ignoring her to play your anime fetish games. You should just ask the man for out on a date and and be a gentleman and take her out for a nice meal. And it'll be lovely. And who knows what will happen. Yeah. Take, or take you can day. stay at home and play a bunch of Aero Gay. You can, yeah. Whatever yeah, it's works also an option. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it, it's always that interesting, like, misperception. Um, and you always get this with, like, any sort of niche media. Like, games still get shit for being, you know, what a lot of people consider just kids' toys. Yep. But yeah. with anime and, like, a lot of the subgenres, and even visual novels. Like a lot of people still think of visual novels as something like Honey Pop. Yeah, or just all just of them are dating sims, porn. which is not the true either. Yeah, yeah, which is no, they're whatever. It's a platform. It's whatever you want to make it, mm. make out of it. Yeah, I think like that. That kind of misconception is always going to be there around a lot of niche subjects, whatever it is, because for as long as these subjects don't cross into the mainstream there will always be a misconception of it. And then in a lot of ways, even when the subject does cross into the mainstream, the aspect of it that will cross over into the mainstream could be a poor reflection of it, such as if like a niche genre of music crosses into the mainstream. But the aspect of that <laughs> genre of music is a really poor reflection of what it is. Mm-hmm. And, and if you want to... Hmm? Yeah. I was just going to say oh, yeah. that extends to like loads of aspects of anime as well. Mm-hmm. And I was just going to say, if you want to hear more on this topic, you can go back and listen to episode three of our podcast where we go in depth into this a lot, or we went in depth into this a lot <laughs> yeah. already. We'll move forward now because we'll end up doing what we did last episode where we just spoke for like over two hours and we had to spend I mean, a long time cutting it down in the editing process. So <laughs> we'll move on to our first topic, which is uh, My Hero Academia video game uh, for PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, Nintendo Switch. I think for basically everything it's coming out soon. Uh, it's called My Hero Academia Once Justice. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and it's an arena fighting game, 3D arena fighting. And we all wanted to kind of pose the question, why is this such a frequent thing? Because it seems with so many anime games, the genre that they go for is 3D arena beat-em-up. And it feels like as a genre, it's becoming quite uh, plain and quite overused right now. So we wanted to kind of pose the question as to why, and also... What would we like to see change about anime games in the future? So I'll hand off to you first, Kyle. What do you think about it? I mean, it's easy. It's familiar. People know what they're getting out of it. And you... So you'll you'll have games like the, the two dozen fucking Naruto arena brawlers that are out there. And that's great for Naruto fans. But there are a lot of people that aren't Naruto fans but would still like that game with characters that they know. Like, I'm not a huge Dragon Ball fan. I watched it growing up, and I'm not, like, clamoring for a copy of DBFZ. But I honestly... Like, even if the game is 
average. I, I will probably pick up the Hero Academia game just because I am a big fan of Hero Academia. So, like, you're, you're picking up a game that you've seen before just with a skin that you enjoy. Right, because what's interesting is that we've seen this resurgence of the 3D arena fighter, and yet, in recent history, arena fighters have never really been that good, from what I can tell, <laughs> with the exception... From what I hear are the Naruto Ninja Storm games, which are apparently very, very good, but that's like the one exception. Every other arena fighter have been like okay to mediocre. Decidia is just a massive clusterfuck, which can be fun sometimes, but it is just you have no idea what's going on. There's it's so difficult to actually implement strategy into that game. From what we can tell of my hero and the new Kill a Kill Arena Fighters, it's the same way. Um, what other arena fighters are there? There was I mentioned this in a previous episode, but there was a Magical Girl Lyrical Nanaha arena-ish fighter, which, again, was not really all that great. I don't understand why. It, it is, like you said, Kyle, it's easier to make them than a traditional fighter. But at the same time, you would think that the genre would have come a ways by now, yet it stagnated a long time ago and it hasn't evolved at all. I mean, you could say that about, like, a lot of stuff related to the anime industry, mm -hmm. honestly. Like, and I was actually having an interesting conversation with a friend about this in regards to just what shonen is as a genre. Like, as much as I like Hero Academia, it really does abide by the shonen trope of I'm going to explain everything that I'm feeling and thinking right now. Just mm -hmm. mm. like, okay. And especially having come... So, for reference, like, I, I enjoyed something like Shokugeki, uh, Food Wars. Um, but having come into that show off of something a lot more nuanced, like Death Parade, it felt like very bad whiplash. Right. Um, because there is objectively, like, a good way to tell character stories. And Hero Academia has good characters, but it doesn't always tell those stories the best way in terms of how characters convey their thoughts and emotions. Mm -hmm. mm. I kind of get what you mean. There, yeah. Right, yeah. Like in the recent episode just now, have you seen it, Harry? Yeah, yeah. Of course I have. I watch it every okay. week. Like every morning as soon <laughs> yeah. as it comes out, I'm good. <laughs> I literally watched it like an hour before we started recording. <laughs> oh, really? But yeah, yeah. I, you definitely see it there when uh, basically this week's episode, uh, Kyle, because you read the manga, is when uh, Bakugo mm. challenged Deku to a one-on-one -on -one match because... Uh, he he found out that Deku got his power. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's when both of them are just kind of like pouring out their feelings, and that was actually kind of well done. I feel like because it was this very like tense, like sort of heart weird heart bonding moment for them. But that is indicative for the rest of the show as well, where all the characters just kind of pour out their feelings through shouts and punches, and that is very uh, what's the word? Shonen-y? Yeah, for lack of a better term, shonen -y. <laughs> I see it from but, two but sides. See, oh, sorry, yeah? Yeah. Well, it's just like, I, I don't know. I like I, I wonder if that's like the best way to do a shonen or if it's just something that people do because it's what they know the genre to be. Tying it back to, you know, arena fighters is like, okay, like, is this really the best that this kind of game can be? Or is it just what people are doing because it's what they've always been doing? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I'd love to see him tackle more genres, but uh, just a little bit more kind of left field. 
and instead of just going for the most obvious one, like honestly, as stupid as it sounds, I'd rather see a fucking My Hero Academia kart racer than just a really. <laughs> but, oh no, it sounds stupid, but I'd rather see something that surprises me like that as opposed to just a really generic arena fighter. Yeah, or another Muso because that's the other big one. Yeah, g- genuinely, like I've realised. Um, Fire Emblem Warriors, Hyrule Warriors, and One Piece Pirate Warriors 3, which, which they're the only three that I've been playing, but I fucking love all of them. And like a common criticism for those kind of games, the Dynasty Warriors spin-off games, is that they're repetitive. I've never once gotten bored. Maybe it's just that I'm a fucking idiot and I can just do the same thing again <laughs> and again and enjoy it. But genuinely, I, I think my Hyrule Warriors playtime is like 110 hours on the Switch. Um... Like, it's, I've played it as much as Breath of the Wild. They're, like, my two most played games on the Switch. Um, and I just find when you get one with the combat, just feels satisfying. It just feels good at its core. And you're just doing good combos with cool characters. It is just so engrossing, especially when everything you do gives you materials, gives you experience, gives you money. It gives you things. It's just so stupidly addictive. And uh, I think there's so much more they could do with that genre. Just the, the simple pick-up-and-play kind of beat-em-ups uh, where they, they really actually deliver a lot of content. And that's something that I, I get frustrated with, with with a lot of fighting games, but the arena fighting games too. They always feel lacking on content. Like, the content we offer is just, you can do fights. And that's kind of it. But I really like with, with these Musu games where you can you can kind of be like, oh, all the content here, you get so many different characters, they all play in a unique way. You get all these different stages, you got all these different challenges, all these different things to do, and it feels legitimately engrossing. And like everything you do is working towards a larger goal. Whereas I think with just kind of fighting games, it's like everything you do, you're maybe getting slightly better at a fighting game, but you'll probably never play competitively. <clears throat> because you don't have any friends. <laughs> and that's, yeah, that's well, kind it's, of it. it. It's with those like fighting games in particular, it's like, at, le- at least with something like Hero Academia, or even Kill the Kill, um, like, I, I really would like a game that makes me feel like I'm playing one of those characters, like rolling it even all the way back to Spider-Man. Like Spider-Man, like, for all of its faults, I love it because it makes me feel like Spider-Man. Definitely. Yeah. And, like, I really would like a game where I feel like I'm Ryuko or Deku, like, fucking shit up. But I I would say and argue that stuff like these arena fighter games, from the sounds of it, it works for Naruto because that's more or less, like... Well, first of all, it, it, it has, like, a pretty well-executed battle system for, you know, what it is. But I don't feel like something like Hero Academia necessarily lends well towards an arena fighter. Sure, you have people like getting matched up against each other, but I think it could be a lot more than just here, let's have two characters go ham at each other. Right, and by nature, arena fighters tend to be pretty tame. Like like I said, there's not really (laughs) combos you can do. It's more who gets the first hit in that right. matters. And whereas My Hero and especially Kill a Kill, those are very high octane shows. And arena fighters are never, ever going to be able to capture that same raw energy that the shows put forth. And if you don't have mm-hmm. that energy, then you're not going to be able to feel like the characters either. And that's going to create this weird disconnect with people who 
have the game and play the show and let's be real how many people are going to buy the game and haven't read or watched my hero not a lot so yeah that's true in in terms of what i would like hero academia to be like i i honestly wouldn't mind a persona style game oh that'd be sick yeah i was thinking that too yeah that'd be really cool or even like we could do something where i mean i'd love it if they told a story that wasn't part of the main mm-hmm. narrative right so, for example right. it could be like a young all might i know they've touched on this in the recent film that's coming out but they could do like a game where it's all might when he's younger and he's becoming the symbol of peace and it's an open world free roam game where you play as the number one hero you play as all might and you're tackling various threats um and it could cover all of his backstory stuff that's not covered in the manga or the anime um but you know spider-man's done so well as an open world spider-man game why not an open world all might game that could be really fun. Um, and yeah, I just, I'd love to see anime games be more ambitious. Instead of just being, oh, well, this will kind of work as a tried and tested formula, do something different. And something I'm really excited for is the new One Piece game coming out, which, which World is World Seeker, yeah. World Seeker, yeah. Like, it's I was going to bring that up. It's, it's fully open world, and, and I'm really, really oh, excited, hmm. especially because yeah. I'm watching One Piece currently. I think that could be really cool. A fully open world One Piece game where you play as Luffy and there's stealth and there's combat and all these different elements. And uh, from what I know, I think they're telling a new story. I don't know. I think they are too, yeah. Yeah. Like I don't don't watch One Piece at all anymore either. Yeah, that game has caught my attention just because it looks like there's a lot of effort and also because it's that original story. It looks like they're they're trying to appeal to more than just fans of the show, which if you want to make an anime game truly unique, you have to do that. Like they're throwing in show fan service and all that is great, but you're going to fall into these, you're going to res- end up restricting yourself essentially in the end. And if you want yeah. to make your game truly great, you can't place the restrictions on yeah. it. Yeah. I just, I'd love to see more games just being more ambitious like that. Um, and I think this One Piece game would be awesome. You know, if they were just announcing another arena fighter, I'd just be like, oh, boring. Okay, I don't care. Like, I know what it's going to be. It would just be Luffy and Doflamingo battling out in an arena and that'll kind of be it. But, you know, like the Killer Kill game again, why are we doing an arena fighter? Why don't do like a Devil May Cry styled game where mm. it's a really solid hack and slash adventure? Where, where you could, that, you would really be able to feel like the characters in that, yeah. Oh, totally. Like you're really great hack and slash combat, uh, going through these really cool levels, fighting enemies, uh, like a really solid, like classic God of War or Devil May Cry kind of thing. That could mm. be really fun. I'd really, I'd definitely pay attention to that. As it stands, Killer Kill is one of my favourite anime series, but I'm just not that interested in the game. Same with My Hero Academia. That is my favourite anime series. I'm not that bothered about the game. I might buy it if it's in a sale, but I'm not, like, excited because everything I've seen of it, everything I've been looking at, I just know exactly what to expect. I know exactly what it's going to offer. I know it's not going to surprise me. I want a game that's going to make me think, wow, like, what is this? And that's one of the things. It's One Piece World Seekers game. I don't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. I, I have no idea what to expect. I know it's going to be like an open world kind of combat stealth game, but I don't really know what it's going to do. I don't know what the environment's going to be like or what the enemies are going to be like or how the narrative's going to play out. Like, like I have no idea. That's why I'm so excited because right. I'm fully ready for it to surprise me and take me aback and make me think, wow, this is awesome. And I think that's well, what I think that's... very heavily in games. Yeah, well, that, that's why something like Spider-Man... PS4 works really well um, because I like I like Spider-Man as a character um, and I know like various parts of his story but I'm not like 
I wouldn't call myself a Spider-Man fan. Mm -hmm. So the fact that I can jump into the PS4 game completely blind and experience a standalone narrative with a game that supports it, like for the most part, I, I, it, it's a memorable experience. Mm -hmm. Like for all of its faults, Spider-Man has been a memorable game for me. Yeah, right. And, and it's, even though it's core, it's definitely a solid, fun game. And as far as other game types that we'd want to see anime, and every time I try to think of one, I keep coming back to <laughs> Made in Abyss every single time. Oh, yeah. I just, yeah. I feel like that would be such an incredibly stressful, intense survival game. And yeah. just going, descending down through the, through the abyss, seeing these otherworldly environments and fully rendered 3D, having to stealth through these, uh, around these monsters, grappling to various points using reg. All the elements of a good game are in Made in Abyss. And I feel like yeah. if someone would just take that step and make it, they could have something special. I, I, really I honestly, well, oh, I, I feel like the other way around, I actually, the, th this is why I really like anime style games. Because for a lot of cases, like the gameplay comes first. Right. So something like Xenoblade, something like Persona or Valkyria Chronicles, like those are all story driven and it feels like you're playing an anime mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. versus something like, um, you know, the Hero Academia game or Kill a Killer, a lot, or like the Little Witch Academia game. Like those feel like tie ins that got shoehorned into gameplay. Right. Yeah. That's the thing. I think, like, what I was going to mention is I obviously don't know the specifics of game development on this, but I would imagine that obviously the publishers, they're funding it. They probably don't really want to take much of a chance. So if they say, like, do a Made in Abyss game where it's like a almost like survival horror influenced, like, you know, right, really exactly. Kind of interesting mashup. Where you can't really fight ideas. back, yeah. It sounds like a really interesting idea, and I imagine a lot of developers would be like, yeah, that sounds cool. We'd be really excited to get creative with this. But it's a gamble. You're mm -hmm. funding a gamble. And a lot of publishers probably don't want to do that. So a lot of them will think, what is a tried and tested formula that we know will right. sell? They right. know the My Hero Academia Arena Fighter will sell and it will make back money. Whereas if they were like, do an open world uh, adventure kind of game using the My Hero Academia characters, but like feel free to break off and tell a story about a completely uh, kind of background character, that sounds awesome but will it sell? And that, that's the sad thing. Yeah. I really wish publishers were willing to fund more kind of ambitious things. And I guess well, that's why indie games are so cool, because obviously so many indie mm -hmm. games can go for these bonkers concepts and really get creative. Yeah, but that's why when you're looking at all the marketing for these kinds of games, it's like, okay, they're plastering Deku's and Ryuko's face everywhere because they know that's what people recognize and they know that people are going to buy it just off of the IP. Yep. Mm. And it's, it's shame, especially yeah. apparent because since anime games typically do get a low budget, they don't typically get those high end. Like the highest thing we get right now is Jump Force by, is that Bandai Namco? I can't remember. Uh, I think so. No, yeah. Spike Chunsoft. Spike Chunsoft. Spike Chunsoft. What? Spike okay. Chunsoft. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so anyways. We do the Danganronpa right. games, which I'll just say uh, Danganronpa 2 is one of my favorite games of all time. Yeah, it's that's interesting awesome. that they're making yeah. an arena fighter now. Okay, corrections in the comments <laughs> if we're wrong. But yeah, like that's that's the biggest budget anime title we've seen in recent memory that I can think of. And even then, again, it's an arena fighter. So that's kind of telling of the anime game genre as a whole 
in a sense. Yeah. Even when you have all this money, you still go towards the safe bet. You still go to that. I mean, I, uh, really? Just by the way, I looked it up. Jump Force is developed by Spike Chunsoft and published by Bandai Namco. Oh, so yeah, it okay. is Spike Chunsoft. That is very interesting. So, what are we going to say, Kyle? Times. Really, like, the, the only solution for all of this is for any action-related series, you just need to give licensing to Platinum. Yes, exactly. And let them oh, do yeah. whatever they want. Platinum do really good stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's right. Because like, they did the like, uh, the Legend of Korra game, and wasn't that actually pretty good? Yes, surprisingly, <laughs> and like no joke, they did the Transformers game. Oh yeah, which, that's right. Like I we picked that. it up for free on PS Plus. Yeah, same. And I played it, and we're like, "Holy shit, this is this is just near <laughs> with Autobots." <laughs> yeah, and it's it was really fun. Mm. Kamiya is just too good for our. Or virgin minds when it comes to video games. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Over time, uh, more anime games will be more ambitious and more varied in their genres. So, let's just see what the future holds. But anyways, before we go on for too long about this, we'll go forward uh, to Madoka Magica, mm-hmm. which uh, it's a long-running franchise now. It's got a TV series, but it also has three movies. Two of the movies retail the series, and then the third one is an extension, which I've not seen, but as far as I know, is quite dark. It's quite intense. And Matt, you wanted to talk about the future because they've announced recently they're doing a sort of a follow-up series, I, I believe, or something else. Right. You so you don't think it's a good idea. So, yeah. Right. So basically, recently it was announced that the mobile phone game Madoka Magica uh, Magia Record is going to be getting an anime adaptation in 2019. This is... <sighs> how long? At least eight years after the original aired, I think the original aired in 2010, something like that. And I had mixed feelings about this at first, and it eventually settled into just plain negative feelings. And I just- <laughs> Oh, oh really? Yeah, I just- Completely negative. Right, I, I don't think oh. this should exist. Um, granted, I don't, I only know the basic synopsis of the phone game story. Basically, there is a completely original character. She moves to Mitakihara City, which is where the Madoka series takes place. She's looking for her sister, I believe, and then she meets Madoka, the protagonist, and it goes from there. But why? Right. Oh, so yeah, you didn't even know that part, Kyle. But uh, well, now I do, and I'm <laughs> very okay. That that was completely different from the impression that I had, or like the what I thought it might have been. Right. So I guess before we move forward, fully candid, there will probably be spoilers. Yes, there will 100% be spoilers because we can't discuss why this is bad without going into the third movie rebellion and how that movie ends. Uh, so, so God's dead. Yeah. So without further ado, like the way, the thing about Madoka is the end of the series, Madoka becomes God. We know. And she basically saves all the magical girls from having to do succumb to despair, um, turning into witches. She ends that cycle. She becomes the law of the cycle. And it's basically a story of how hope wins out over despair in the end. And at the end of Rebellion, all that gets turned around on its head. Homura rebels against Madoka in the end. She decides, fuck this, I'm done with this world. And she tears down Madoka from the heavens and assumes, I guess, Satanhood, you could call it, herself, and molds the world to her own. And that's in this weird way how despair overtook hope in the end. And it just ends right there. And... If there was ever going to be continuation for the series, it would have been more interesting to see a direct continuation after that. 
However, I still think that the series had nowhere to go but down if they were to do that. But not this phone nonsense game. If it kind of, it cheapens the whole series by pretending that the entire series and the movies don't exist, and it I, doesn't mm, mesh well with mm. me. So I I am I'm very curious now now that I know like the basic synopsis of the phone game. From my imp- I I literally just watched Rebellion like three hours ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I took away from the ending is that Homer tore Monica down and is actively trying to keep her down, which means that she's not completely stripped of her abilities. She's just kept ignorant about them, Yeah, which is what Homer would rather have because she wants to live in a world where Monica still exists. Mm -hmm. Um, and the only way to do that was to basically like, tamper down her ascended state right it's still there but she's actively suppressing right like homer said she only took a fragment of her power she didn't take all of it so in i i guess i can see how like this new series might delve into that i i i don't know why 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 would you say that that this undoes everything or at least like works against it it's it's just because, like I said, the ending of Rebellion, it didn't need to have continued anymore. That kind of open-endedness is one of those open-ended endings that works really well, in my opinion. And to have a completely separate series with the same characters, it seems like. If Madoka is in there, you can bet your ass that Mami, Sayaka, Kyoko, all of them are going to be in, along with other phone original characters. Because you can't sell the gacha game without tons of characters. It's just... Okay. It, yeah, so, it, it cheapens the you, experience of the original Is this story. just a tie-in purely to promote the phone game, or do you think there's something more to it? So that's the thing. Like, this story can still be very good, because we're going to get into this later, but Fate Grand Order, which I play, uh, <laughs> um, mm. it, it does have a good story, particularly in the recent arc, Camelot, was very, very, very good, and they actually just recently announced an anime adaptation of Camelot. But... We'll get into fate later on. So phone game stories can be good. So maybe Madoka is like that. However, just the fact that Madoka for the longest time has just been the series and the movies. And then the games, like the one-off PSP game, I think that was out. I think it was just retelling the stories or it was just completely removed. It had nothing to do with it. And then um, this phone game weren't really taken seriously and suddenly elevate that to basically the same... When there hasn't been... Okay, let me backtrack a little bit. What separates Madoka from the Fate series is that there hasn't been any actual anime adaptations since the original and the movies, which were many, many, many years ago. Fate has had anime adaptations of almost everything all the time, and they've been treated, given almost equal importance to each other. And so that's already far gone. And I'm scared that Madoka is going to kind of turn into that, where this anime adaptation is just going to open the floodgates to all this other zany wackiness that's going to, in the end, I keep saying this, but cheapen the value of the original because I really liked the original at Fate Stay Night. Kyle didn't, but I really liked it. And I'm not pleased where the series is right now. And that saddens me. And I don't want Madoka to go down that road. There. So, uh, well, <laughs> all very fair points. Um, and I think to that, I would say is like, what... And just having binged 
like the entirety of the franchise um, in the past 24 hours. Like I, I was honestly very upset with the way Rebellion ended. It mm-hmm. made sense. I don't think that is the best place to end mm-hmm. because the original series message was that yes, hope does triumph over despair. And I like that the movie acts as a sort of like plot point within an overarching narrative in the sense that, okay, this is a pretty shitty situation that everybody finds themselves in. And I would really like it if this new series like looked back at that again and found a middle road between the two of rather than, because the show really is just about extremes and the dichotomy between two extreme sides. Mm -hmm. And I really would like them to see if there's a way, if this new character might find a way to bridge the gap between Monica's and Homer's ideologies on how they view both destiny and their relationship to it. Because Monica and Homer have very clear ideas of how they should fix the world and fix Mm -hmm. the dilemma of what magical girls are and what their roles are in this universe. I'm not even sure if Homer is fixing it at this point. She's just kind uh, of like, well, yeah. <laughs> I, in, in her eyes, she's fixing it like the, for herself. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think the real deciding factor here is like, I, I really like Madoka just because it has a very clear vision mm-hmm. of what it wants to do. So if they have the same showrunners, I forget his name, uh, but if they have the same. Yes, if they have him heading up the new series, I will be a little more at ease with what I think they'd be trying to do with it. Right. Just because, yeah, he he understands what he wants the series to be. Right, I have to and look I into that. I don't doubt, know, actually. Like, I, I don't know how much input Nasu still has on Fate as a whole. Oh, he actually, yeah, he, he wrote feel- that Camelot story that I just mentioned. Uh, no, oh, has yeah, okay. yeah, so he... What's fun? Yeah, uh, all the previous story arcs were not written by him, and then suddenly Camelot came around, which was written by Nasu, and it was like leagues above in quality in the previous okay. story. Yeah. Well, good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like that, that's that's really all it boils down to. And like, what my issue with a lot of fate was was that it felt very decentralized. Right. Exactly. Like, it it felt like they were just like, like you said they were just cashing in on very popular icons, um, mm-hmm. and. I think that that's one thing where it's like it feels like I'm I'm a little more forgiving about what the new Monica series might be is I know Monica is very popular it's very critically acclaimed but I wouldn't say that she's got nearly the same widespread appeal as like Idol Games or as Saber mm-hmm. like she's a very recognizable um, icon and a character right but I don't think there's really anything to cash in on there like even when Fate came out people like immediately latched on to the characters specifically saber mm-hmm. that, that makes we're, sense we're, yeah. we're blending two topics right now because uh mm-hmm. our, our topic agenda is obviously to talk about uh medoka magica and then go to fate but we're blending the two very seamlessly uh, right we'll, we'll jump onto fate in just a minute but one thing i wanted to add because uh because it's not these aren't topics i know too much about but uh, i watched the medica magica series years ago and i think we can all agree but the opening music by Clarice is amazing and one of the catchiest <laughs> anime openings of all time. 
So that's a positive yes. note to leave it on. And maybe. also a very <laughs> misleading opening as well. Very, very it misleading, is. but that's why yeah. I love it so much. And the chorus has so much impact, so much weight yep. behind it. And uh, I mean, that is the single greatest thing of the entire franchise, I think. The opening <laughs> music by Clarice in the original series. So more of, more of that, more catchy yep. J-pop. That's what yep. I want. I analyzed <laughs> well, the yes, hell out of that opening. Of that. Because I watched Madoka while I was airing. And so... The, the speculation train for that show ran rampant. There were red herrings oh. all over the place. That, like, if you Google Madoka death clock, you'll find this whole theory about this quote-unquote death clock in the series. And it is oh hilarious. It didn't turn out to be anything, but it was that rabbit hole went deep. And I've never <laughs> been part of a larger speculation train than that show was when it was airing. <laughs> and that, that extended towards the opening because there's little minute differences in the opening each episode. What I would love to do, like, like, because I find that really interesting, the way people analyse something. I was thinking about this last night. I would love to to write my own series and for this series to become a worldwide phenomenon. And I want people to analyse all of the story arcs to try and find metaphors and hidden meanings. I want it to become one of the biggest things globally, one of the biggest uh, analytical endeavours of the entire world. And when I'm, say, 90, I'm on my deathbed, and an interviewer finally asks me, we've spent, we spent the past 50 years or so trying to figure out what does your acclaimed series mean? I'd love to turn around and just say, nothing. They're just cool yeah. ideas. And all of this analysis has been for nothing. And I'd love to die with the world hating me um, just because they've wasted all their time analysing something. And I think that's really cool, the idea that like people can analyse something so heavily and it just means fuck all. It's completely meaningless. But that in itself is almost like an art form. The fact that people interpret something that's nothing more than an interesting visual or an interesting idea, but interpret it as something more. But like, in a sense, that is art in itself. It's it's really interesting to think about. But uh, before we go off on a weird tangent about that, uh, <laughs> we'll move forward to, uh, to Fate. So again, something I'm not too well versed in. I'm obviously aware of the series, but I've not seen any of it. Uh, but Kyle, you have quite strong opinions on the franchise and on where it's going in the future. So uh, fill us in. <laughs> it's cut and it, discussion. <laughs> it's it's Chuny the series. Chuny the series. We're gonna have to give a little more than that. Yeah. So for okay, end for of end not, of podcast. Bye. Yeah. That's it. That's all we have to say. <laughs> And insert J-pop song. <laughs> now, so, Chunibyo, for what people aren't aware of, um, it, from what I remember, it literally translates to eighth grader syndrome. But it is this idea in Japanese culture, and I'm, I'm, you see it kind of here. I had most, it, but I, I admit oh I had it. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my yep, god! I have stories. That's for another time. It's, oh man! Well. We'll have that as a special episode here. But yes, <laughs> you've probably seen it in a lot of shows or series where it's, I mean, Megamine from Konosuba is a Chuni. Um, it's this idea of a character who is very much stuck in their head and believe that they're like some sort of divine hero with God-given powers or special abilities that only they have and only they can master, and it's usually some something something ridiculous, like an evil eye that gives them a flaming sword that comes out of their asshole, or <laughs> something stupid like that. I but that, that, that is basically. 
I can yeah. do that. That's, oh. that's a power I actually have. Oh. I didn't tell oh. you guys. It's a really, really cool party trick I do. How do you put it back up there? Yeah, it's also why I'm never invited to parties. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, Harry, I guess, is a Chuni. That's me. But <laughs> the, the thing about Chuni is that like it, it, it is a lot of fun, but it can get very grating the more seriously it gets taken. And at least for me, that is what I felt the entirety of Fate Stay Night was. Um, and what the franchise has gone on to be is, okay, you have you know this, th- these sets of characters um, that duke it out over the Holy Grail, and they're reincarnations of past heroes, right? And they have all of their abilities that are honestly just dumb bullshit that's related to their mythology. So Saber is the reincarnation of King Arthur, and her special weapon is Excalibur. Um, it's been a while, so I I know she's got like some bullshit about the, the sheath or missing. So, anyway, Avalon. <laughs> yeah. God. Yeah. See, it's just dumb bullshit like that. It's exactly like that, where for some reason her sword is invisible. The protection and, of the wind I, spirits. I am a fake fanboy. Yes. You fight. You're, you're only proving my point even more, yeah. Matt. It's just dumb, <laughs> magical bullshit that they pull out of their ass. And tre- like, I, I would be fine with that. I am. I, mm-hmm. I love Juni. I, I love the concept. But when you are so far up your own ass with how seriously you're taking the series and the stakes that you're presenting as being like utter life, when, when everything is a life or death situation, it gets very grating. And that was my really big problem with, like, at least Fate, the original VN. That, that was one of my problems with the original. <laughs> Before, I have very strong feelings about Fate. <laughs> it, sound, it sounds like you're on the verge of breaking down in tears and grabbing a new I, I, I think like, I, You sound I, really, I, really like at the edge of your tether. Like, this is it. We're uh, going to capture your absolute mental mm-hmm. breakdown here mm-hmm. on Skype on a podcast form. So I'm very excited. Got it there. We're going to get a lot of views for this, for so, so fucking go for it, man. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, well, my, my, my dislike of fate, the original VN can boil, be boiled down to two points. First is everything I explained about Chuni, and the second being it's not a very good visual novel. Like it was you. the first one I played. Oh, <laughs> no. Fuck Go you. Go on. <laughs> it's, it's, and I never thought I'd use this in a discussion about anime, but it's very Dickensian in terms of, like, density. It's just such a long visual it's novel very long. with such very obtuse routes and decisions that you, like, it, it's almost a require. it is a requirement to use the fucking flowchart to figure out how to not have Shiro die. And it's not a very fun visual novel. It's got very fun characters. It's got some interesting ideas. But overall, I think it was definitely one of those VNs and really one of those series as a whole that just tries to go for quantity over quality. But those are my takes on Fate Stay Night as somebody who has felt very strongly over it, on it over the past two years. Matt, as a fan... <laughs> Where Where is your perspective on both Fate Stay Night and the Fate franchise? Right. So 
I'm on the opposite spectrum of Kyle, essentially. So Fate Stay Night wasn't my first visual novel, but it was my second visual novel. My first visual novel is Tsukihime. So same uh, author, uh, Hinoko Nasu wrote both of them. But right, so I adored Fate Stay Night. And that I read this back when I was in high school, when I had all the time in the world and none of the money. And so Fate Stay Night was perfect for me. <laughs> and it was my first time just really sinking in and enveloping myself in a visual novel world and getting to know the characters and getting engrossed in their stories. Yes, Shiro is a little piece of shit for the first round in particular. It was like, girls can't fight. Eh. <laughs> um, but it was just really interesting to be in his head for a hundred plus hours, essentially, and get really know his character. And I feel like it's a shame almost, because I don't know if you had the same feeling as me, Kyle, but when the revelation came about that Saber is actually King Arthur, that really surprised me. And again, that may have just been because I was relatively new to the genre and anime in general, so I wasn't looking out for that. But that was a general illegitimate shock to me. I was not expecting that. And I feel like Saber's identity nowadays in the anime community is a Luke, I am your father kind of deal where everyone knows her identity, even if they've never touched any piece of fate material whatsoever in their lives, just because it's so mm. permeated throughout the community. And I feel like that's a shame because that original reveal was very well done. And also the same goes for the second big reveal and the uh, second round with Unlimited Blade Works, which I won't say just in case on the off champs you haven't seen it. And now though, the fate franchise it was fine when it went on to Fate Zero because that was still a direct con connection to Fate's night. It, it, it what's fleshed out a lot of the events that were touched upon in the original visual novel, but never really got a lot of limelight. And it flowed into it very well. It had very interesting characters uh, with very interesting motivations, much more interesting than most of the characters in Fate's Day Night. And for the longest time, it was just Fate Zero and Fate's Day Night. But then we started getting... Fate Extra, Fate Extella, Fate Apocrypha, Fate Grand Order, all of which I partake in, by the way. And I'm not, mm. even though I partake in them, it doesn't mean that I'm happy that they exist. And it's what because I'm, what the, I'm currently waiting for, though, is the erotic version, Fifty Shades of Fate, which is the next series. I mean, and uh, it is an erotic. Just, thing. It's already an erotic visual novel. Oh, okay. So maybe it's already been done. Yeah, I, I and guess I'm not are awful. <laughs> oh my god, uh, the H scenes. Oh, they're. Uh, I'm being well, chased mm. through a forest. It's time to recharge some mana. Okay, cool. I, we're about to get beaten to a pulp by Hercules. Quick, stick it in, Shiro. Yeah, okay. We're not going to spend time on that nonsense. <laughs> um, but basically, as the series went on, it just started contradicting it because it had, the original mm. Fate Stay Night Visual Novel had very clear rules laid out for the system and explained very clearly why Saber Artoria or uh, King Arthur is an exception to that rules, why she's a female. But then as the series expanded into all these other mediums, it just kind of threw those rules out the window and said, fuck it. We're gender bending every single uh, historical figure known to man. That's not true, but it's a lot of them just because What's the word? Kawaii? No. Moe. Just because Moe sells. Yeah. And it's a shame because the Fate series has does have a legitimate amount of really interesting lore. I really like the magic system in the Fate universe. 
the way they explain the magic circuits and all of that, how magic, there is a cost to this magic. It's not something that is to be used lightly. And it just, all the adaptations after has just kind of lost that, that meaningfulness to it. And it saddens me despite me being the big fate fan that I am. <laughs> I'll follow I, the I just have to watch the anime series because like, honestly, a lot of my like distaste came from the original visual novel mm-hmm. just because it's incredibly dense. Yeah. It's a hundred plus it's hours. Not the yeah. easiest, it, it is not the easiest read. Um, and like, there's a certain point where detail becomes cumbersome mm-hmm. uh, for your audience. And like, you start to lose me in terms of interest. Like I, I guess I just never got the same drive to like get attached to all of those systems as much as you did. Mm-hmm. But I, I would argue that because of its inaccessibility, like that, kind of detracts from the experience right i totally agree on that if i were to try to read that vision novel today i would not have the same patience for it i would probably would not be able to get through even the first route it was only because i had all the time in the world on my hands and not a whole lot else to do with it that was i was able to like kind of dedicate to it and really get into it like i did i feel like yeah but like a good little bit of silence mm. here, just, just some radio <laughs> silence. Just a, <laughs> a nice well, now that listeners. you've talked about it. Um, well, I guess, okay, so since you've been following it so much, like, what, what really was, like, the big difference with the most recent arc, Camelot, um, in Fate Grand Order? Okay, so, first of all, the story in Fate Grand Order is completely isolated from any other Fate franchise, which is par for the course at this point. Nothing relates to the original visual novel anymore at this point, other than all the saber faces. <sighs> the saber faces. Anyways, um, the what separated it? Well, one, they didn't gender bend any historical figure. Shock! Wow! Amazing! They were all their proper genders in this arc, um, but it it brought a story that actually had stakes to it, and also create made the it put the historical figures in a situation that made sense for them. They didn't feel out of place in this arc. Whereas in the previous arcs you had like, I'm trying to think like in the America arc, you had Thomas Edison, who's just like this lion. man. Yeah. I'm sorry. What? There's an America story arc that involves Thomas Edison and he's a lion man. You know what? I may have to get back into this series. (laughs) Yeah, and just 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 Google Thomas Edison, Fate Grand Order, Noble Phantasm, and you'll thank me. Just do that for Those me. Those are words. Yes. Um, but any, yeah, but anyways, yeah. You, you get what I mean. You have these people, you have these historical figures that either are gender bended or just changed to this weirdness that they don't fit in, or they have no place to be in that story, and they're just there because they have to. Be. Oh yeah, Nero is in that arc for whatever reason. She's in America because why not? And um, but Camelot, it was just it was just consistent. It it adhered to the rules that were set out by the original story, the original system that was set out. Whereas all the previous story arcs before that, it was just kind of running away with it. All the previous story arcs, like I said, also were written by various different authors, and there wasn't a whole lot of crosstalk between them. I feel like, as far mm. as consistency goes, and so when Nasu came back in and he's like, "I know the series 
inside and out because I created it, <laughs> um, it, it shined through. And I'm really excited for the Camelot uh, anime because there are a lot of actually legitimate emotional scenes in it that got me emotional just reading mm-hmm. visual novel style on my phone. I can't imagine mm-hmm. what it's going to do to me in anime format. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that was like the really the pitfall of like the franchise um, was because it had a very cook, a cookie cutter setup mm-hmm. um, in the sense that, yeah, you can like you have these roles and you fit in any person of historical note or any like notable figures slash warriors from the past. Um, and yeah, that allows for people to just kind of milk it, which they did. Mm-hmm. But it's good to hear that they have like somebody who has and like going they're going back to like what our concerns about Monica were like it's good that they have somebody who like knows how to tie it all together and understands what it's supposed to be right exactly because for the longest time like the Fate franchise has felt like oh boy here's another waifu game yep just putting it so, out there here's some more gender bitten historical figures we know you like them titties I mean yeah yes <laughs> <laughs> but and. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. I don't know. Would you recommend anybody to get into the franchise now? Yes. Like I would. Like I said, Fate Zero is still hands down my favorite anime of all time. That is my number one Ooh. favorite anime. And whenever I say tell someone, to recommend someone to get into Fate series, I say just start with Fate Zero. Just start there. If you want more, I can tell you more. But this is a rabbit hole. It's <laughs> fucking obnoxiously complicated. We're not going to deal with that. Just watch Fate Zero. That's the starting point for everyone. Even though it, I feel like as far as lore, it's not quite the best starting point. The original Fate Stay Night would be best, but as far as just getting someone to it, Fate Zero, 100%. Um, and like I said, the series has legitimately interesting mechanics. It has legitimately interesting lore. It just gets bogged down by all the superfluous bullshit that has come out since then. Like if you were to list out all the Fate, not even series, but just Fate projects, it takes up like two full pages. You have, it, beyond the ones I listed, you have a Fate Prototype, Fate, uh, the Elmaloy Files. There's like some other, I can't remember. There's some really obscure wow. ones that are still canon. And it just, it's become a mess. And it's really unfortunate when they had something very, very special that they could have kept, pun intended, holy. <laughs> but they decided not to in the grand scheme of things to milk it for cash and it's working so i can't fault them for it it's it's best to have just a few series of something and just do a great job as opposed to uh having like loads of iterations of it making loads of money but it goes downhill massively um but i was gonna say before we go on for too long because uh Mm -hmm. we're going to a big rabbit hole and it'll go on for ages uh we've Mm -hmm. been very critical this episode of stuff so we'll end on a positive note for like five or ten minutes um (laughs) i've been watching one piece as you know i've been watching it and i'm really really enjoying Ichiro Oda's writing I think he's a phenomenal writer so I wanted to uh, pass on the question to you guys who do you think is a phenomenal writer or who like what anime do you really respect from like a written standpoint where you watch it and you just think wow fuck me this is so well written um yeah like like what do you guys really rate from a kind of narrative standpoint so Kyle you first I mean honestly if we're sticking on like long-running franchises and stuff like that like what still impresses me is horikoshi's writing for hero academia like yes it does go Mm -hmm. by a lot of you know 
the tropey aspects of, ah, oh, I'm this character and I feel this way because of this thing. Like, it does it really well. It's just, it's a, it's a really well-told shonen. It's all killer. Which is, it's just consistently strong, mm -hmm. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And like he, there is a very obvious like care and amount of attention that he puts into everything about it from the way the quirks work to the characters, to their designs, to their relationships. Like it, it's, it's, it's just a lot of fun for like the kid in me, but for the cynical adult in me, it's like, oh, that is a very well-told narrative. Yeah, but I, yeah, I agree. Or... I think his writing's amazing. I think My Hero Academia is so consistent. Like watching the anime, every episode is good. I never get to an episode where I just think, oh, this one's shit, like gloss over it. Or, or you know, like even a story arc, but, but like all the story arcs stand out and do something solid and positive. And I think that's really, really cool. Yeah, so and you see legitimate like, character growth all the time. Oh yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Everything has purpose, and mm -hmm. and it all plays into a bigger picture. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, Matt, what do you think? So as far as individual series goes, I don't know who wrote it, but March Comes in Like a Lion has some of the best writing I've ever seen in anime. Just the way it portrays human depression in such a very raw and realistic way is absolutely stunning. Not just depression, but like the recovery of it. Well, this like stutter step of four steps back or forward two steps back and so on and so forth it's just beautiful and heart-wrenching to watch as far as individual uh a specific writer goes Maida June who is notorious for a lot of keys work so clan ad uh angel oh, no. beats um uh rewrite which don't watch the rewrite anime but anyway, uh, little busters again don't watch the little busters anime but if you have the privilege to be able to read his visual novels and then watch the clan ad anime and you're treated to some of the most absolutely gut-wrenching scenes anime has to offer because he gets you to care for his characters so so well and then he just rams into you with an eight-ton freight train of fuck you and he does it so masterfully every single time in all these various different scenarios. And I just love him for that. I love it when something makes me cry like a little bitch. <laughs> I, I love I love a good cry. It makes me feel so good. And for that, I, I really respect Maida June. There's very, very, very few instances where I'm just like lukewarm on him for the most yeah. part. It's just always been high quality. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. I think, yeah, like for me... I'll, I'll go to One Piece again because that's currently what I'm obsessed with. Um, mm -hmm. Which I, I, you know, I tend to avoid like the long running shonens because I, I just find, you know, they're often overrated. There's lots of filler. Um, like, so Naruto, for example, I've never watched Naruto. I never will not watch Naruto. I will never watch Naruto. It just doesn't interest me in the slightest. But One Piece is an exception because everyone says it's actually really good and it's a journey. And I've been really enjoying it. And I think Ichiro Oda's writing is amazing because every story arc feels so unique and diverse. And I love the way that he's created a narrative where you feel like he can go anywhere and do any idea, explore any concept, and he'll find a way to tie it into the to the One Piece story. It won't feel like out of place, no matter how bizarre it is. Um, and I'm currently on the Water 7 story arc, which is my favourite so far. And what he does at one point, which I really like, he introduces a character called Frankie, uh, and he introduces this character in a kind of antagonistic role. So you initially see him and he seems like kind of a like a, a hoodlum who's kind of a criminal yeah. in his town. And he's got an antagonistic role. And you think, oh, Frankie's a dick. Yeah, but he then, looks like an antagonist too. 
Yeah, that's it. And then, but then he's taken out of it for about 20 episodes or so, so he kind of takes a backseat and you don't see him for a while. And in that time, Ichiro Oda introduces like, some new antagonists, some new villains, and they're 10 times more evil than Frankie. And you think, oh, wow, fucking hell, these guys are awful. They're like really powerful, really evil, um, and they're terrible. And then it goes back to Frankie after all this time, and he struck up a sort of semi-friendship with one of the Straw Hat Pirates. And all of a sudden, you see Frankie in a different light. You're like, oh, wow, actually, he's not actually a bad guy. And then it tells you his backstory, and you sympathise with him more. And I love the way that Ichiro Oda, in quite a short space of time, makes you reverse your perception of him. So at first you dislike him, you're like, oh, he's an antagonist. But then by introducing new antagonists, by having Frankie take a break for a while, and then by reintroducing him into this kind of positive friendship role, it, it totally changes your perception of him. And I think it's really, really interesting. And there's so many little ways that he does that to realise his characters. Um, and there's so many cool aspects of his writing to analyse. Um, and I read online, I don't know if this is true or not, but I read that he works for 21 hours a day on average Jesus where he'll wake up at five in the morning and he works until like two in the morning and then sleeps for three hours now he probably doesn't do that all the time but I fully believe that he's done that before and I just think like fucking hell like that guy he's a good writer (laughs) to put it lightly I really admire that work ethic and just the fact that what he creates is really really high quality um so yeah I, Mm. I I think he's an incredible writer and I'm really excited to watch more um, so yeah, I thought we'd, we'd end on that positive note where we praise some stuff because <laughs> we're very critical of the episode. Uh, yeah. So guys, Twitter handles. Uh, I'm Harry underscore Morris underscore on Twitter. Kyle, your Twitter handle is like the rogue, all one word. Ooh, and why is it called that? Oh, <laughs> it's a bit. I a I bit. really. No, no. All right. Well, I really like stealing things. All right. There, fuck you. There we go. Okay. You criminal. And uh, yep. Matt? Yep. I am at using Mojak, M U S I N G M O J A C K. And I guess this is my bit at this point. It's not really a comedy bit, but I always recommend a show for mine. And we've been talking about, but my favorite show is Fate Zero. It's just absolutely gorgeous and the character dynamics are fantastic the fights are insane the only caveat is that you need to get through the first episode which is a massive info dump and it goes clear over many people's heads and that's fine but once you get past that first episode you're in for a good ride and Mm. i'll leave you with that right fate zero watch it okay thank you so much for listening guys cheers uh and hopefully you'll check out the next episode all the best